Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. In the month of March, I am doing so many live events, and I hope to see you there. Most of them are in California. One of them is digital, so there's no excuse to not be a part of the love fest that is happening in honor of my book, Astrology for Real Relationships. On March 10th, I'll be in Oakland. On March 13th, I'll be speaking in San Francisco. On March 19th, I'm going to be in Los Angeles uh, doing an event there, and then I'll be back in San Francisco for International Astrology Day on March 21st, speaking with a bunch of other astrologers. On the 25th of March, I'll be at the Assembly in San Francisco, and then on the 28th of March, I'll be doing a live Ask Me Anything digitally for everyone all around the world. I'm so excited about all of these things. I've got events to come in April as well. Go to my website at lovelaniato.com slash events to register RSVP and find out more. Hey, Jessica. My question is actually about something I feel like I learned from your podcast. So it seems like when you give counseling advice, a really common theme is that people ask you for advice and they're feeling a certain way and your advice is stay with the feeling, be present for it. And maybe some listeners, I don't know, feel like that's like sort of a cop-out thing. Like, oh, well, like if the solution to everything is being present, then what kind of advice is that? But having tried, actually, that advice in my own life, I can say that actually it's pretty hard. It's really, really hard to do it. And maybe it keeps coming up all the time because it's something that is actually just the simple solution to all of the seemingly hard problems. So I got my yoga teacher certification recently, and it was like the exact same things that you were saying, being present, staying with the feeling allowing emotional nuance to just be part of your life. And so I get that, but, and I'm actually teaching people the same things, but just in my own life, I feel like there's two parts of me. There's one part of me that's like, I get it. I am getting closer to quote unquote enlightenment as a yoga teacher. But then there's the other part of me that's just this total shitstorm of wanting to be perfect and wanting everything to go a certain way and feeling horrible when it doesn't. And I'm just wondering, is that tension something that's reflected in my birth chart? Because it's actually a pretty big fear of mine that like I'll never get to the point where I can let that side of me go. And that even if there are these two sides, that I'll just never be able to accept it. My birth date is October 18th, 1988, and I was born at 3.57 a.m. in Abington, Pennsylvania. So thank you so much for everything that you're doing. Really, I've recommended your work to so many people, and it's been a huge help in my life and uh, I'm sure many other people. So thanks. I absolutely love this question, and I thank you for sending it in for so many reasons, including the fact that you are pointing out something that is absolutely true. I am forever encouraging people to sit with feelings and breathe into it. And I don't even really notice that I'm doing it because 
every time I see that that is the answer, it just is kind of uniquely presents itself to me as that is the thing that this person is not doing. And I want to just say before I tackle the specifics of your question, that there is really no skipping over the foundation of everything in all things. If you skip over the foundation, whatever you build can easily collapse or implode, regardless of what we're talking about. If we're talking about like infrastructure in your roads or <laughs> buildings or whatever, if we're talking about that on a real, really material level, the foundation is real important. And if we're talking about that in terms of your mental health or your physical health, if we're talking about that in terms of your relationship to past trauma or current relationships or career, your foundation within yourself, your ability to understand your own landscape, to refer back to your felt experience, which includes your thoughts, which includes your physical self-awareness. If you don't have the ability to do that, then you will inevitably stumble over things that if you had looked around, maybe you would have been able to catch, right? So it's true that foundationally striving to be present is the work of all living humans. It just kind of is. It's part of the human condition to not necessarily be great at it and to need to strive to work at it. If I may get spiritual here, I will say that the human condition is one of living in duality. It's one of living in complicated, nuanced, mixed messages, mixed truth, ever-changing bodies and conditions and thoughts and feelings and environments and on and on it goes. Just as soon as you get to know yourself, yourself changes, your environment changes, and you're kind of back at square one, except for older with more issues. I don't know. Life is complicated. And so, yes, I do advise people to do that. And honestly, each time I do it, it's the right thing to be saying. <laughs> so I appreciate you pointing that out. And I'm really glad that you've been practicing that and having success at it. But part of being successful at being present, much like being successful at having boundaries, as I talked about in last week's episode, it is a challenge because once you get good at it, then you become more self-aware at the new level that you're operating from of how you're not good at it. So the work kind of deepens and grows as you deepen and grow and your skill set deepens and grows. Now, some people, and probably all people sometimes, feel like, well, then what's the point? Fuck this. It's too hard. It's too much. Why bother? You're not supposed to be perfect. You're not supposed to come to full mastery. I am personally a little allergic to the concept of enlightenment, which I know most people are not. It's just me personally. Because what does it mean to be enlightened? I don't know. I mean, if I go dictionary definition styles, Buddhism says that enlightenment, according to Merriam-Webster Dictionary, don't, don't get too excited by this here, guys, uh, that Buddhism says that a final blessed state marked by the absence of desire or suffering. And there's more. There's more ideas about it. The state of philosophical movement of the 18th century marked by a rejection of traditional social, religious, and political ideas and emphasis on rationalism. Okay. So for me personally, I don't resonate with either of these concepts, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't resonate with them. I think that, you know, whatever you resonate with is, is useful and good for you. But for me, as a person living in a body, not a person who's living on an ashram, but a person who's like still in the world and, you know, having sex and paying taxes and doing all the stupid things that a person does, and I don't know why I only named eighth house things, but there I did, the absence of desire 
would be problematic. The absence of suffering would be idealistic. I think that the concept of enlightenment is not having attachment to those things. So you're not identified with desire or with suffering in such a way that you can not be thrown off course by those things. So it's not about not experiencing them. It's about not being thrown off course or being attached to them. Now, for me, rationalism is a very useful thing, but it is not the end-all be-all. It is balanced between all of our senses and resources. So because of this, I am not a huge fan of the concept of enlightenment. And that's maybe a little semantics. Maybe it's values. I don't know. But I will say to you this. If you are learning concepts related to being present, referring back to the self, being centered, breathing, all that kind of good stuff, and you're choosing to teach those things or not, whether you're just learning them or you're teaching them, you don't need to be perfect at it. In fact, the very work of this is staying with your imperfections, staying with the ways that you are never going to get it. It's about being in the ambiguity and in the nuance and in the mess and not attaching or identifying with the ambiguity and the nuance and the mess, but instead staying present with it. And the way I like to think of it is as a river. The river flows. I don't know if you know about Ama, the hugging guru she's referred to as. I once read something. It was a quote of hers. It was a translated quote of hers. And it said something to the effect of, and I'm very bad at quoting people, but it said something to the effect of that her love flowed like a river and that you could throw trash in the river and you could spit in the river and the river would flow just the same. On an interpersonal and psychological level, it's a terrible perspective to hold IMO. Boundaries, people, self-preservation, self-respect, boundaries. But on a spiritual level, it's a really powerful concept. It's essentially communicating that to be in your flow, to be in your integrity, to be in your truth, to be emotionally present, to be spiritually present is not conditional. It's responsive to an inner flow. It's responsive to your spirits and your soul's truth, not responsive to your conditions or the biggest asshole you're dealing with doing right because it's right and not because of what is happening around you or what will result from it. That right there, it's a sweet spot. And my dear, when you ask this question about will you ever get to the point where you can let go of negative thoughts or agitation and just be in your flow, or will you get to a point where you can accept the messiness within you? I love those questions. Great questions. It's great questions for anyone to have, but let me tell you a thing about your chart, my dear. You have the North Node in Pisces. It's very close to the descendant, uh, which is the seventh house cusp, but it is in the sixth house. Coming to a point in your life where you can be in your flow, in that river, where you can be present and in your spiritual truth from within your body, which is sometimes annoying and certainly has desires, from within your material life, your day-to-day -day mundane life, the sixth house, and even within interpersonal relationships, that is what your soul has come here to learn. And the fact that you are still so young and you're already actively engaged in that work and even choosing to align your work life with that work. That is gorgeous. I am so excited for you. That you have not achieved it yet is perfectly normal. 
it would be really unrealistic for you to have arrived with that in your 30s. And not to say, so don't try, but to say instead, so keep trying. Keep being present with kindness, true kindness, for the ways in which you are terrible at this, for the ways in which you don't want to do it, for the ways in which you're impatient with your progress, you're impatient with wanting for everything to be perfect and to go a particular way. When you feel terrible because things don't go the way you want them to, or you make a mistake in some way, or you feel like you've made a mistake, when you feel terrible, that is always the time where you have an opportunity to be like, oh, I feel terrible. I fucked up. I made a mistake or I don't like the way things are going and I'm controlling and I'm upset and that is what is real. This is the exact moment where you want to bring your breath and your presence. Not so that you magically feel like the Dalai Lama, (laughs) but instead so that you can practice empathy, kindness, and presence to the parts of you that are messy and funky and fucked up. When we accept ourselves and we embrace ourselves, but only the nice parts of ourselves, only the forward-facing parts of ourselves, only the enlightened or perfected or curated parts of ourselves, it's not really self-acceptance, is it? They say that love is unconditional. And again, psychologically, I don't love that idea. There has to be conditions to all of our relationships, right? Because there has to be ultimately what I can do in a healthy way and what I can't do in a healthy way. What are the boundaries of what is appropriate for me in terms of the life I need to live to be right with myself? And, you know, what's outside of that? That's conditions. Those are healthy conditions. When we say that love should not be conditional, what we're talking about is back to that flow. Love as a spiritual condition, love as a feeling, that is something that we are meant to be able to experience even in the face of imperfection, in the face of anger, in the face of messiness or fucked up thoughts, reactions, actions, all of that. To bring love to that doesn't mean you stop feeling fucked up. It means that you added more to your internal experience and the conversation at large. And it won't do shit if you do it on a Tuesday. It's not going to change your Tuesday, probably. Maybe it will, depending on your day, depending on the thing. But really what it's about is doing it as frequently as possible over the course of time. And what it has is an accumulative effect. That fear, that fear that you have that you're speaking to in your question, what your fear is really saying is that you're perfectionist. Girl, you got a Virgo rising. You have a beautiful Venus conjunction to your Virgo rising. But you know, that Virgo rising, it can be real perfectionistic. It's good, better, best right? You can get into judging instead of discerning. It's easy to discern about my life or your friend's life. It's harder to discern about your own. It's easier to judge about your own, right? You also have a Mars in Aries out of sign square to Saturn and Uranus and a bit of a wide square, but a very much a square nonetheless to Neptune. And what this means is that you're incredibly hard on yourself. You want evidence and you want it in a timely fashion, or you want to move on. And there's a way that you can set yourself up for idealistic goals, that's the Neptune-Mars square, or feel completely uh, disempowered and exhausted, physically, spiritually, mentally exhausted, when it doesn't happen the way you want it to. You can have exacting plans and do everything as perfectly as you can figure out because of the Saturn-Mars square. And again, when you don't see results, evidence, it can feel like, oh, well, I failed. 
there's failure and there's success and everything in between is failure. But that's not true. Those are just feelings. And those are the feelings that need your spiritual presence and your mental presence and your emotional presence. It's a bummer. I am not going to encourage you to be free of desire or of suffering. I just don't know that that's really realistic for a human person walking through the world, managing their lives, you know? But I do believe that it's a beautiful ideal to train yourself towards, to get to the place where you can recognize, I am in a state of attachment. I am in a state of seeking perfection. I am confronted by my control issues, my desire to prove myself to myself. I am trying to predict what comes next as a way to avoid pain now or in the future, or to rewrite the pain of my past. To be able to recognize these things as they are occurring gives you choice, not in what is, but in how you orient yourself to what is, so that you can start to breathe into it and not attach to it, to let it flow by you, to let it be like noise in the background instead of center stage in your thoughts. That's really possible for you. Honestly, it's possible for most everyone, but it's really possible for you. Having a physical practice is a huge help to that. So whether or not you teach yoga forever or yoga is the thing that you do forever, it's such an exciting thing for me to hear you say that that's what you're doing. Because of Mars's involvement and because you do have that Virgo rising and your North Node is in the sixth house, the natural house of Virgo, what we see here is that your body is a really accessible, like the use of your body is an accessible entry point for you into aligning yourself with this moment and aligning yourself with your spiritual and emotional truths. The problem is it's also a really effective entry point for judgment, condemnation, uh, you know, impatience, all kinds of other really unpleasant feelings as well. So when you get present, you get present with all of it. The work of this is to not seek the finish line. I know that's annoying. I'm so sorry. You asked me such a good question and I'm basically <laughs> saying to you, your question is the answer. It doesn't matter if there's a finish line. It doesn't matter if you master it. It's not the point. It's not the point. The point is to keep endeavoring to try. The point is to stay on the path. The point is to give yourself permission to fail and falter and struggle on the path, but to stay on the path nonetheless. And that doesn't mean don't question the path. I'm glad you're questioning the path because questioning the path is how we choose the path. I don't think obedience is your best friend. I think it's good for you to struggle against truths and doctrines. Um, and I say that because not only the Virgo stuff in your chart, you've got a very strongly placed Jupiter at the top of your chart and also that Mars square to Uranus and Saturn and Neptune. When you hear somebody, whether they're a meditation teacher or a Pilates master, it doesn't matter what it is. When you hear a person who is a thought leader, who is inspiring you, who is speaking truths that resonate with you on a soul level, that truly move you, make no mistake. That person is a person and all people are fucked up. Every single person that is alive on this earth has all 10 of the planets in their birth chart. Every single person does. We are all fucked up. We are meant to be fucked up. I don't know why. I didn't make the rules. I didn't create this. Trust me, I would not have done it this way. If it were up to me, it would look different. But the reality is struggle is part of the goddamn, uh, you know, it's part of the curriculum here on this earth in these bodies. It's just part of it. And if you spend your energy fighting struggle, which 
is essential to do sometimes. It is an important skill to have. It is an inevitable part of living. But if you do that in the face of all problems, all struggle, then you're just exhausting yourself in life. It's wise to question, is this something for me to fight? Or is this something for me to sit with, to yield to, so I can figure out what I really want to fight against? What's really wrong with this for me? And for you, you're like, well, I'll do the work, but I only want to do the work if I'm guaranteed a positive result. You and me both, sister. You and me both. That said, that's not how it works. It is essential that we do what is our authentic truth because it's our authentic truth. And you keep on trying. And if you get evidence that things are going sideways on you, that it's not a good move, okay, change course. But you're not getting that evidence. You're just impatient with your progress, which I totally understand. And I don't know that that will ever go away. Not with that Mars of yours, not with that Jupiter so high in your chart. But I don't know that it needs to go away. Can you just embrace that you are impatient and that your impatience is actually tied into your sense of excitement about the world, your ambition? That impatience, that perfectionism that you have, it motivates you. And it makes you interesting and weird. <laughs> and it makes you, it just makes you you. If you can embrace that every light casts its shadow and some of your passion and ambition and weirdness, part of the shadow that that creates is impatience and perfectionism and irritability. Can you get with the program? I have no problem accepting that about you. And I want to encourage you to explore sitting with what it would feel like to accept that about yourself as well. Not as a carte blanche for you to go forward and, you know, do whatever the hell you want and act out against yourself or others, but as a way to say, yeah, these are just experiences that I have inside of me and I have choices around how I respond. And if I keep on practicing making choices consciously, then over the course of time, it will get easier and I will have more options, more choices that I can see and make use of. That's the move, my friend. That's the goddamn move. If there has ever been a time to be actively engaged in your civic duty as a citizen, it's when Saturn is in Capricorn and a bunch of other planets too. I'm a huge fan of participating in the system in which you find yourself living and voting is a big part of that. If you're not sure if you're registered to vote or if you still need to register to vote, then go to vote. Dot org. That's V-O-T-E dot O-R-G to register to vote today. All right, let's talk about the astrology of March 1st through the 7th of 2020. There's actually not too many things going on. Of course, we have a continuation of Mercury retrograde. We have Saturn in the final degrees of Capricorn. It will move into Aquarius in March. And it will stay there for several months and then, you know, retrograde back into Capricorn for its final hurrah. Um, and we'll talk about that more as it happens. But let's just start off with where we're at. On the 3rd of March, we are looking at a Venus square to Saturn. Now, Venus square to Saturn is uncomfortable. I shan't lie to you, my dears. It's uncomfortable because it can bring up feelings of loneliness or self-criticism or criticism of others. It can really just make you look at all Venusian things from the lens of Saturn. So all Venusian things are your relationship to the way you look, to your relationships in general. That's love relationships. But it's also, you know, your sense of belonging with people. 
This can make you look at your finances. It can make you look at your sense of value to other people or to what you're caring about. And have you looking at it from that Saturnian critical lens? Is this working? Can I grow into this? Is it good enough? You may find yourself comparing yourself to others or comparing yourself to who you think you should be, who you once were, who you hope to one day be. And it's all, of course, a waste of energy to do those things. But it's what we often find ourselves doing under difficult Venus-Saturn transits. Unfortunately, this transit can bring up depressive feelings. You may find yourself around this date really contemplating scarcity. Uh, and you might not be thinking of it in that word or in those terms, but be on the lookout for scarcity-minded fixations, scarcity-minded attitudes. If you can understand that what you're looking at is essentially your relationship to scarcity with who and what you value in yourself, in your life, in the world, in others, you can make the most use of this transit. On the positive, this can inspire you to really figure some things out that might not be super fun to figure out, might not be super easy to look at, but actually you need to kind of move along. The thing about Saturn is it governs pruning or editing. It is getting in there, looking at things honestly, and making assessments so that you can make appropriate changes. Saturn wants us to get a trim so that your hair grows stronger, more beautiful later, right? It was a metaphor, but it stands. It stands. It's cutting back short-term for long-term growth and abundance. The negative thing that can happen here is you can find yourself feeling guilty or depressive in a way that inhibits making use of the insights you have or even having useful insights. It can make you feel oppressed by feelings of, like I said, guilt, regret, loneliness in such a way that you kind of have a hard time converting it into something useful. If that's the case, I want to encourage you to ask for help, to reach out to people, and to be mindful of who you're reaching out to. Reaching out to people is such a great thing to recommend, but so many of us choose people who are not the appropriate people to ask for help from. Either they are people who've not proven that they are trustworthy and reliable, or it's not appropriate for some other reason to do with the relationship or to who they are. Make sure you're not self-sabotaging in how you seek support, and help. The thing is, we're all going through this transit. It's not going to impact us all in the exact same way, but we're all going through this transit. And so you might be reaching out to someone who they themselves are not capable of giving support because they're working on keeping it together, right? So don't take it personally if others can't be there for you. Sometimes the right thing to do is to ask for help, and that doesn't mean that you're going to get the help, and it doesn't mean you're cursed, and it doesn't mean you're screwed. It means all right, this is a moment to choose yourself, to choose to work on it yourself. So when there's not support around you, I don't know, personally me, I like a TED Talk. I like a life-affirming woman telling me different ways of thinking about a thing. That's really supportive to me. Sometimes I listen to spiritual speakers, psychological speakers, whatevs, but there's always something out there that you can reach out to that is free and accessible that can support you in looking at your feelings or your thoughts in a new or more constructive way. Surround yourself with the resources that are available to you. Now, one last thing I'll say about this particular transit is that it can find you at a moment in a relationship or in multiple relationships where you have to deal with what hasn't been working. That's no fun. That's No one wants to hear that. But if a thing isn't working, it isn't working. 
whether or not you're willing to cope with it. I'm sorry to say. I want to encourage you to have enough self-awareness to know, are you so riled up that you can't really engage in a healthy, honest, and responsible way with other people? Do you need to off-gas your thoughts and feelings, but not necessarily process with that person? Saturn, again, is scarcity and depression, and so it might make you feel like you don't have a choice, but you usually have a choice. It's on you to make a choice, right? And if you don't know what to do, then maybe the choice is buy yourself some time and ask for support, insight, help from others. On the fourth, we have a Mercury retrograde sextile to Venus. Uh, And that's a nice little lightening of the load of this transit. There is an overlap with these two transits. So that will soften the edges of this transit after it's at its exact date of the third. So you'll be feeling it as soon as the first. You will be feeling it on the fourth, but it will be softer at that point. It will be at its apex on the third. This particular transit is not really super noticeable IMO unless it's hitting your chart in a meaningful way. You're just going to notice that it is easier to connect with people, easier to find more diplomatic ideas. Now, because Mercury is retrograde, we want to always remember that it brings up the past, but not in a deep and heavy way, in a way that allows us to review and reassess. So you want to look at past ideas and attitudes and even ways you've communicated that have or haven't worked and kind of get into it from there. Finally, on March 7th, we're going to start to feel the sun conjunction to Neptune that will be exact on Sunday the 8th. So I'm going to talk about it more in next week's episode. However, sun conjunction to Neptune brings up a lot of anxiety. And That actually, for me, brings up a lot of the fears that so many people are having around the world, around the coronavirus. And the reason why I'm connecting it to this transit is because Neptune is related to, you know, viruses and flus and stuff like that. It's related to our autoimmune system. And when we see a sun conjunction to Neptune, we are more likely to feel anxiety. We are more likely to feel a sense of being out of control, ambiguous uncertain. And the thing about this that's really important is on that weekend, you know, on this on that Saturday, I want to encourage you to prepare for it. And how do you prepare for potentially feeling anxiety? You get grounded. You don't put yourself in situations that are guaranteed to produce anxiety. Or if you have to put yourself in those situations or you find yourself in those situations, do what you can to access your resources do what you can to ground or to center. It's impossible to live a life in which we are never anxious or uncomfortable. It's impossible to live a life where everything goes your way all the damn time. But it is possible to make choices to support yourself, to prioritize and center, not just doing the right thing, not just avoiding pain, but supporting yourself and using the support you have access to. And so I want to encourage that to be in your thinking on Saturday, and I'll get into it more next week, just in time for the 8th, okay? Grounding, self-protection are very wise. My loves, this was another week. Next week, there's a little bit more going on astrologically. So if you find that you have a little space this week, you have a day off, you've got time to yourself, or you've got a little bit of like a a respite or moment away from a stressful thing, I say take it. Take whatever chances you get to support 
your wellness, whatever that looks like, whatever that means. As always, if you enjoy this podcast, I would really appreciate it if you start it or reviewed it on whatever platform you listen to it on. Uh, Clicking that subscribe button also is super awesome and helpful for a little independent podcast like this. If you aren't already a supporter on Patreon, I want to invite you. I'm going to be dropping a bonus episode of the podcast very soon. You can pick up your copy of Astrology for Real Relationships anywhere books are sold. If your local bookstore doesn't have it, just ask them to order it. Support your local bookstore. Also, I hope to see you at one of my many events that are happening in the month of March. And I hope you have a fantastic fucking week, my loves. A fantastic fucking week. Every year they say the end is near, but we're still here.